Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you, as always, from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, where it... Surprise, motherfucker! Hey, what's up, knuckleheads? Yeah, I bet you I surprised you this time. Of all the times I've tried that stupid trick, I bet you this is the time that it actually surprised you, because Gareth didn't announce that he was on vacation this week when last you heard from him. That's right, Gareth's uh, vacationing away from the podcast. He's out having fun with his family, so it's me, Travis, filling in for him again. That's right, it's Travis, not Gareth, so you guys can... All, all of you cancel your appointments at the ear doctors, you're not hearing things, you're perfectly fine. So hey guys, what's up? I'm coming at you on, I'm recording this on Wednesday right now, Wednesday the 20, what is it, 28th. The reason I'm, I'm I've taken so long to even start recording is because I was kind of putting it off. I, was, I felt like, well, this is going to be, you know, I don't host all the time. I like I think it's a privilege that Gareth will, has asked me to host, but I certainly don't host all the time, so I want to make any sort of podcast to be special. Also, it is the end of the series coming up. I want to make that special. So I was putting it off thinking, like, what can I do to make this special? Last time I did a song. Um, before that, I guess I didn't really do anything special. Before that, just me being there was novelty enough. But for this time, I didn't know what to do, and I guess I really still don't know what to do. I was trying to think of, like, a skit, some sort of sketch I could do, but can't think of anything so i'm afraid maybe this is going to be vanilla boring podcast but i think you guys like the regular podcast you guys listen in and i think this time will it will be more like the regular podcast more than ever because after all the snafus we've had in the past gareth and i finally got the feedback forwarding system going so i got all y'all's feedback for real this time i guess except anything that comes in through the the listener lines gareth said that those don't get used very often and he did forward me something that Something that somebody had sent through one of the listener lines. So I got one of those, but other than listener line stuff, which I've been told is uh, sparsely used, I've got all the feedback, so I mean, it should be like regular. Hopefully, this isn't boring for you guys. Alright, but that's enough waffling. Season 8, Episode 9, Make Your Own Kind of Music. It's written by Karen Campbell, directed by John Dahl. Uh, let's dive right in. There's much else to say. And 
just want to give you guys a heads up that for the rest of the podcast, or perhaps you maybe even have noticed for what you have just heard already, the audio levels may kind of bounce around a little. Uh, it's a little dodgy. I apologize for that. I don't think that there's anything that will blow your ears out or anything super offensive, but it is kind of amateurish, and I apologize for that. But I hope you guys enjoy it regardless. Ooh, doggy, this is the episode, man. And we found out last episode that the brain surgeon's back in full effect. Yates wasn't the guy we wanted, but in this episode, we get not one, but two identities for that fool. Yeah, man, two. It's the speed at which we're moving is... You can break your neck. It's intense. So we find out on this episode, to I'm not sure if anybody is completely surprised, but we find out that Oliver Saxon, Cassie's ex-boyfriend, was not only her killer, but... The brain surgeon himself. Ooh. And then on top of that, if that's not... If your head's not reeling from that revelation, we find out that uh, Oliver Saxon is actually Dr. Vogel's long-lost son, Daniel. Hmm? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a lot to process in one episode. Again, I... It, it was sort of like how I felt with the Yates thing. When Vogel just... I, th- I thought Yates probably should have been Vogel's number one candidate for the brain surgeon when Dexter finds out, like, oh, you know, wait, you forced Yates to get brain surgery, and, you know, he hates you for that. I thought maybe that should have put him on top of the list. And then I feel like Vogel conveniently forgot about her son in this episode. Like, that should have been something that got mentioned before. Like, uh, you know, she forgets that, uh, you know, she forgets to say things like, oh, well, my son died of mysterious circumstances, and I never saw the body, and I know he was a psychopath. And he's giving me gift wrap presents and to my door and stuff. Like, these are things that probably should have come to mind as soon as she started receiving brains in a jar and stuff. Now, I know, I guess she did think her son was dead. But, I mean, like, she didn't see the body. I, I, I couldn't imagine being a parent in that situation, but maybe there'd always be that doubt. Like, I never did find my son's body. Maybe he's out there somewhere. I know that dude was crafty. My little son was crafty. Uh, This kind of brings up another thing where this is probably intentional. I'll go ahead and give the writers the benefit of the doubt that this is very similar to the Ice Truck Killer. Uh, You know, we have somebody who who starts dating somebody close to Dexter. This, you know, I know Cassie wasn't exactly Deb, but you know, and his whole the whole mission was, I guess, to get close to Dexter. I suppose it's also a long lost family member, in a manner speaking, of Dexter's who we thought we didn't even know existed. You know, I, I, I can understand if the writers didn't want to bring up the fact that Vogel had a son until this episode. Because it did come out of nowhere. Like, wait, you got a son and now he's a killer? I could understand they didn't bring that up because I guess as seasoned TV viewers as all of us are, I mean, the second if Vogel would have mentioned she had a son in the past, all of us would have been like, yo, that's him. He's a killer. It's Vogel's son right there. So I, I could understand that. But it is very similar to the Ice Trick Killer and... This even just makes me think about the convoluted ways in which serial killers communicate in this series, and maybe in other modes of fiction, modes, means, other way, other movies, you know what I'm trying to say, what am I trying to sound like a damn scholar? <laughs> Sending brains in a jar and leaving cryptic songs and stuff. Now, I know this is all stuff the brain, I mean, sorry, the Ice Killer did in season one, so I can't really say it's a fault of the season, but it does just seem convoluted, and we don't get a clear explanation of why, like, why did... Uh, Oliver Saxon get close to Cassie. Why did he try to frame her murder on Zack, of all people? I suppose it had something to do with Vogel writing about Zack in her 
mess or in her computer notes and stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't just kill him immediately. I'm not, you know, who knows? And now this is where we just have to fill in the blanks ourselves. Does, is there, does it matter why? I guess. I don't know. It kept us guessing. So, you know, whatever. The manner in which uh, Oliver Saxon was fingered as the brain surgeon was a little dubious to me, I suppose. Uh, you know, the, you start out with the the hair and the blood underneath the table. Um, I, I mean, I, I truly actually think that's kind of a cool idea. Like, aha, you know, he's it's from beyond the grave. Zach is helping Dexter solve this killer. But um, as many people are, are going to point out in the feedback, I mean, it is a little ridiculous that the dude goes from not even knowing how to wear gloves to, like, suddenly having like, the rationale of, like, all right, let me stick this blood underneath here in I don't know how Saxon didn't know it was there or how Zach even got it to stick like glue like that maybe Saxon's blood is made out of glue maybe that's the final twist maybe he's an X-Man or something uh, and then of course I think a big sticking point with a lot of people that facial recognition software it's a little ridiculous right like I know that stuff exists but it's like, I don't know if it's ever used for police work, like for real, I don't know. I'm not a cop. I know I went to um, Disneyland once, and they have that thing, Innoventions, Innovations, something. It's in Tomorrowland, and it's, it just kind of shows you future technology, house of the future type stuff. You've, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And they had something like that where I stuck my face in a machine, and it was like, well, here's what you're going to look like in 20 years or something. I mean, the problem with me is I'm already kind of an adult. I mean, I am an adult. There's not, I suppose. I don't, you know, no one ever really thinks of themselves as adults, but I'm an adult. And so, you know, all they've really did is kind of just like put bags under my eyes, make my cheeks a little puffy and gray out my hair. Like, oh, gee, that's how I'm going to look. I think, you know, when you're dealing with like a, an unshaped child's face, you know, who, you know, but prepubescent, you, you, you're going to change more than I'm going to change now. Uh, I don't know how reliable that technology can be, but it's also just weird that, you know, that stupid, like this, the stuff they do on CSI and stuff where like, Oh, calculating all these blips and bleeps that really mean nothing. And and it it, it would even seem weird that the need for that software to exist, at least for Dexter's purposes. I mean, doesn't he have eyes? I mean, I guess maybe it would have been a little lame if you saw that picture and was like, wait, that looks like that dude that I barely know. But I feel like after he had the picture after you had the, the the aged picture of the child and then you put Oliver Saxon's picture there, didn't you have eyes just to tell him, like, wait a second, that kind of looks, they look the exact same. I'm not sure why he would need a computer to confirm something he could do with his eyeballs. Even the computer wasn't 100%. The computer's like, fuck, I, they, they look alike to me. You know, 97%, that's about how much sure I was, too, but, yeah, I don't know. Some people thought that maybe that was a picture of Elway, but well, that would be a twist. But, you know, I don't know. Something's going on with Elway. We'll, we'll get to him later. And now how Dexter caught or almost caught Oliver, uh, that's that's going to be a point of contention, I know. I mean, I, I'll be the first to say only by virtue of me hosting this thing and you're hearing this before the feedback. But I'm tons of people have said it before me and a lot better and eloquently than I have that it is straight up stupid how Dexter thought he was going to catch Saxon. Like, the idea of planting that evidence inside of Vogel's journal, that was a good idea. I mean, it was kind of sneaky. Um, I like the idea of that a lot. Uh, but, I mean, man, it was just straight up lazy. And another example of something I talked about back when Dexter had killed Yates, uh, when Dexter tried to sneak up 
on Yates at his father's nursing home was this like selective stupidity. It happened to the, for the sake of heightening the drama. If this were real, and that's so strange, you know, saying, saying if this were real, such an extraordinary thing. And some people would be like, Dexter's never been realistic. I say, shut up. No, I don't say that. That's rude. But, but if this were real, just getting back to my point, why doesn't Dexter just do what he knows works, what he's done in the past that's work? Uh, instead of standing out there in your blue ass, cotton candy colored shirt, staring like a creeper for 20 minutes, why don't you, I don't know, sneak into his car like you've done in the past, you know, wait in the backseat of his car or I don't know, follow him home or, you know, I don't know, do anything other than just stand out there looking like a dodo waiting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I, I did like the scene with, with, um, Saxon in the diner, I guess he kept playing the song, which is creepy. And no one, we didn't really get any reaction shots. If anybody else seemed to care that, no one was really caring. Like, why is this dude playing the same song over and over again? But I like the idea that, I mean, you saw he was trying to create something. In his mind, he was playing that song, and Fogel would walk in and be all surprised. Like, what? This song? Like, you know, that was going to be the big revelation for her. Like, like when Dex, when the Ester Killer, uh, hey, it's very similar. The Ester Killer played that Born Free song for Dexter and kind of got him to go back to his childhood home. I think that's what Saxo was going for. So Vogel was going to come in and be like, what's this? Now, of course, you know, he wasn't aware that Vogel was two steps ahead of him. And so was Dexter. Well, I guess he was aware Dexter was two steps ahead of him at all times. But so, I mean, I like that idea. I mean, it wasn't all bad, but Dexter, what a, what a dummy. And how does anybody know realistically? I've never done it. Having not been a, I'm not a criminal. Does anybody know how fast tires deflate or if it makes any noise you know Dexter comes up and sees his tires have been slashed that looks cool there's a big old gash right there like bam oh shit you owe me a Michelin motherfucker um but how fast does it really work like that or is it really silent hypothetically if I was going to try to like lose a tail or something if someone's following me I'd want to slash their tires but I imagine I'd I'd just make a loud noise and like ah my ears you know just be the worst thing ever I don't know if does anybody write into the podcast and let us know does slashing a tire work that well? Is it effective? Is it? Do you recommend it as a means of throwing off a serial killer? Now, speaking of things that remind me of season one of Dexter, or I should clarify for this instance, things that remind me of just any season past of Dexter, uh, the big point, a big point in this episode, and I believe a big point going forward for the rest of the series, it's weird to say, is the idea that Vogel brought up about Dexter straddling two worlds. What a sexual way that she puts it. The idea that, Dexter, you can't do this thing with Hannah and be the quote-unquote perfect psychopath that she believes him to be. I mean, that sounds deep. That sounds great. But, yo, this is something we've been over in season four. And probably since then. Probably. The idea that Dexter can't be his serial killer self and be there for his family in a meaningful way. I mean, he tried to straddle both worlds. Yeah, I mean, Rita got killed. His son almost got killed. I mean, in season six, the same old shit with him. Uh, with you know, uh, with Travis Marshall. How could I forget my own damn name? Travis Marshall, Jack and Little Harrison and stuff. Not uh, not Jack and like that. You perverts. Come on now. This is a family show. But it's taking <laughs> taking um, the baby away. You know, almost getting him killed. This is something we've been over for. We're treading the same ground again. Now, maybe this is something that is unavoidable for a series that's been on for eight seasons, but perhaps this speaks to the effect that no show should go on for eight seasons, not just Dexter, uh, because we're 
picking on Dexter's the soup du jour. It's just maybe no show should go on for as long as it has. Because we are going over the same stuff again. We're repeating something from season one, although maybe people would call that an homage. The theme we're going over since season... We've been over in season four, and I guess kind of in season six, we're doing it again. I mean, this is something we've talked about. Dexter doesn't seem to learn from his mistakes, and I'm not entirely sure how much of that is supposed to be a character flaw. I guess some people could say, like, well, don't you, don't you see that's the thing? He never learned from mistakes. He's doomed to repeat, yada, yada, yada. I don't know how much of it is that, or how much of it is just maybe the writers are in their own little world, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't tell. I'm inclined to believe, I'm a little cynical, I suppose, that the writers just aren't aware, they don't care that we... This is something we've gone over for. Dexter should know this by now. I mean, let alone him getting with Hannah again and whatnot. We're seeing this all again, but hey, whatever, right? This leads me to, to the final big plot of the episode. I mean, there's a lot of tiny little things that go on in this episode that I'm going to gloss over for sake of you know, brevity. And uh, maybe we'll talk, maybe the people in the feedback are going to talk about little tiny things. But the idea, or rather, I should say, just the whole Hannah story. Hannah still still around. Looks like she's going to be around. I mean, if I had to guess, be around until the final, final episode. Uh, but she's still around. And oh boy, I mean, it, she's. She, her incognito skills are just about as bad as Dexter's, right? Walking around, you know, hot ass, pink dress, beautiful, most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Just walking around Miami and she's a wanted woman and nobody notices her. I don't know. Miami is full of beautiful women. I'm, I ain't never been myself, but Will Smith has told me that. Black, white, Cuban, Haitian, it's all good there. And obviously it works for Hannah. It, Dexter's not so good at hiding in plain sight. But Hannah, maybe that's what you call, um, what is that, turning into the, the skid or whatever when you're about to crash your car? You do the opposite. You'd think that you're supposed to, like, turn away from the skid. But if you turn into the skid, you're actually better. Maybe that's what Hannah was doing. Maybe she's like, you know what? I'm going to be as hot as goddamn possible and no one will look at me because people are going to think, no way Hannah McKay would look this hot while we're looking for her. That can't be Hannah McKay. Maybe, you know, it's she's double bluffing us. Maybe Hannah McKay is the smartest character on the show. Maybe I'm wrong about her. Maybe Dexter does. Maybe her and Dexter do belong together. They're both really crafty. Yeah, right. Uh, um, of course, the big idea came in this episode. Is Hannah's like, Dex, let's, let's run away. Let's go to Argentina. And Dexter didn't take a whole lot of convincing. This is something that kind of bothered me, too. Because the whole end game of Season 7, it was all... Remember, LaGuerta was on to him and stuff, and I guess, you know, uh, Hannah was in prison... So he, I don't know how much that factored into his opinion, his decision, but Dexter didn't want to run from the Guerta. That's why he decided to kill the Guerta. That's how this whole shit's got down. He didn't want to do it because he liked his life in Miami. He was like, I like my life. I like my sister, and I like Harrison living here. I like my, my quote-unquote friends that he doesn't really have. He didn't want to run, uh, and so that's why he decided to kill the Guerta. And this, now he's just suddenly like, hey, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Let's leave. You know, like, in a way, you know, kind of... I don't know how insulted anyone should be if anyone should get that worked out, but it kind of spits on uh, the Deb's whole sacrifice, or the, certainly the Guerta's sacrifice in the past season. What was all this for if you will just leave like that? Oh, because Hannah's here? Because now you'll have someone to will touch your wiener when you're gone? <laughs> 
when you're in another country, now you'll leave? Because De- Deb probably would have touched your wiener if you wanted to, Dexter. You know she would have. She told you. Gosh, dang. Uh, so, I mean, something like that was like, uh, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing to just uproot your whole life and go to Argentina. If I had it my way, Hannah would be going to Belize, if you know what I'm saying. And I think a lot of you do. <laughs> and so then this brings up one of the, I guess for me, the biggest problem with the episode. And I hate being so negative. I, I truly do. I really felt bad. There was so much positivity last week and last week's episode. A lot of people were really digging it, and I didn't. I know I wasn't alone, but when I sent in the feedback I did, I was really mocking, like, oh, Dick's in the city. You know, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. I wanted it. Obviously, I'm supposed to be mocking, but when there's so much positivity, I do feel, um, I feel like a, a Grinch. I feel bad. You know, I don't, I truly don't think my opinion's any more right than anybody else's. I guess I'm, I've convinced myself that I'm correct, but I don't hold any grudges to people who do like it. All that being said, I hate that everything I'm saying about this show is pretty negative. I, I'm trying to be remain uh, level-headed like our, like our man Gareth does. Um, I hope you guys aren't, you aren't feeling the, the brain too much. Uh, I know I'm, I'm truly, truly, there's no denying I'm biased as hell, but I do try to be fair in these um, reviews. So... Okay, all that secondary waffling aside, my biggest gripe with the Deb and Hannah thing going down. It's like, yeah, it really upset me. Uh, no, I mean, I wasn't crying or even yelling, but it made me roll my eyes and do a big heavy sigh when Dexter asks, you know, I don't know, it's not the impossible. Dexter asks the big favor of Deb, like, hey, can Hannah stay here for X amount of days or whatever? And she just says yes with, you know, again, like, yeah, sure, that's fine. It's just like, you just knew she was going to say yes. There was no question. This is, I don't know if it's just me, but it's just, there's no conflict. It's something that I talked about a little bit in my feedback from last week. Just everything goes easy for this dude. Even when things go wrong, they go great for him. His wife dies. Oh shit. Now I got a new girlfriend who's, you know, who, uh, whatever. I don't know. But you just knew Dev was going to say, yeah, there's no question that she was going to refuse to have Hannah stay in. Because, oh, that would make things difficult. Dexter would have to come up with a plan B. Nope, Deb will do whatever that dude asks him to do. Even kill somebody when he doesn't even ask her to. I don't know why she's so hung up on Dexter when he clearly doesn't give a fuck about her. That's the real tragedy of this episode, of this show. But I didn't like that she disagreed so easily and you knew it was going to happen. And then it led to, like, to, for me, one of the biggest cringeworthy scenes. I bet you a lot of people liked it. But... Deb and Hannah had the whole little girls' night in, you know, where they're they're sitting around gabbing, gossiping, or whatever, talking over dinner, and it's just so ridiculous. First of all, who does that? Who's it? Whenever I stay at somebody's house, yo, I try to act like I'm not even there. I try to be considerate. I eat my own food. I wash my own shit. It's just like who? Imagine someone, some murderer, standing at your house. You just walk in and she's using your food, using cooking in your kitchen, like the hell are you doing you don't live here i don't know i think that's rude i don't know maybe it's just the way i was raised like you don't do that without asking and she just comes in uh, i don't know now i'm talking about manners with the killer but she just comes in and then deb does the you know the worst thing she's not only does she eat it which is bad enough but it, i don't know who they're trying to convince deb doing that thing like omg I, I just can't believe i'm eating your food right now isn't this so crazy you know and, and then just kind of bonding they, you know they really want you to like Hannah and I, you know, I've never liked her ever since that. Ever since you saw her and Dexter did the nasty in season seven, man, I've, I've been on that the hate train. You know, there's no denying that. I mean, ugh, ugh. 
they really want you to like her. I mean, they're having Deb come around her. They're bonding over the fact, like, wait, me and you both like Dexter? Oh, well, then we gotta be best friends. And they're even having little Harrison do the, like, I wish Hannah was my mommy, which, is, you know, come on now. Come on now. You don't know what you want, kid. You're, what are you, four? But, that's, uh, Anybody else bothered by that? I don't know. Well, I guess we're going to find out in the feedback. But then finally, I guess, I mean, that's the re- that's all I got to say about this episode. I want to keep it shorter than longer. Get back to the feedback because I know we're going to have a lot of, like, real feedback this time. So maybe I've even kept it too long. I've got just two. I, I wrote down two little points that are a little interesting or not even interesting. F- or three, I guess, when I was watching the episode. One, I miss the old Batista. Now, I guess nothing's really changed about Batista. But there was that scene where he was talking to Deb outside the burrito stand or whatever that was and I don't know I just I, I miss caring about Batista I just don't care about him anymore and the show to its credit hasn't really tried to make me care about him it's not like they have some storyline like they're doing with Masuka where I'm just rolling my eyes like I don't care I just miss caring about him I and mean, in seasons in the earlier seasons I used to care about him a lot I wished the best for him but I miss having him around he was a, he was a great guy also Elway might be the only character on the show who's like not full of shit I remember the first time I watched this episode, I thought it was really harsh to Deb, you know, when he's like, oh, just, you know, leave my fucking office, or whatever he said to him, her, I mean, and he's yelling at Deb, I was like, dang, dude, oh, wait, you're crazy, why are you so angry? But I don't know, watching it a second time, he's like the only character that makes sense, like, he's the only one who's like, what the hell is wrong with you, Deb, why are you acting this way? I'm not sure if we're supposed to be on his side or not, uh, he's, he's certain, he's kind of shaping up to be a big bad, I guess, he's really out there for Hannah, which vicariously means he's out there for Dexter. So I don't know, but I, I do kind of like Elway. I mean, he stopped doing those electrolytes, so he's kind of being a regular character. Uh, finally, this is totally unimportant, but my I found out that my dad did not know what a periodic table was. There's the scene in the beginning, Dexter's in the lab, and when Deb's talking to him, he has like a periodic table of elements behind him. And when my dad watched the episode, he asked me, hey, is that that thing from Breaking Bad? And I was like, what? He's like, you know how, like, a Breaking Bad, they have, like, that BRBA thing? And I was like, yeah, you mean the periodic table of elements? Yeah. Like, he had no idea. Now, my dad is old. He's, like, 65 or something. You know, he's older. I guess maybe the American education system has changed a lot from when he was in high school and I was. Because, I mean, I was learning about that stuff in 10th grade. I was, whoa, how old was I in 10th grade? 14 years old? 15, maybe? Yeah, I was 15 years old in 10th grade. And that's when I think most people know about that. But I don't know. I thought that was a little interesting. Did that blow anybody else's mind? Probably not. But anyway, all right, enough of this bullshit. I'm looking forward to feedback for the first time in a long time because, yo, it's, I don't know, I got it. I got real feedback this time. Yo, straight out the box this week with the feedback, we got two listener voicemails that are not in response to this week's episode but are actually in response to last week's podcast episode the the podcast gareth put out for are we there yet um, i want to put those out there before we get into feedback proper for this week's episode first up on deck we got sean from ohio he's talking about how he would have liked this final season to have gone Hey Gareth, this is Sean from Ohio, and firstly I'm recording this directly after hearing the podcast covering episode 8, and have not yet seen episode 9. The talk about how many of us are not really getting what we wanted from this final season made me think about what I actually would have wanted, and that's the focus of this message. 
So uh, perhaps we include some of the elements we've already seen, but mixed with a vastly different overall plot arc. Imagine that uh, after the events of the shipping container and Deb's downward spiral, that Dexter is vetting a new target. He desperately needs to kill someone and, and, and get his life back to normal again. But under the stress of recent events, he screws up, and m maybe he gets caught again. Uh, maybe by innocent bystanders, and perhaps hotel cleaning staff has entered one of his improvised kill rooms. Maybe we have an episode or two of Dexter trying to fix things, but eventually, shit hits the proverbial fan. Dexter is implicated in the murder, and not only that, they realize that he's also the Bay Harbor Butcher, so he has to run. Only, he realizes he can't. Not only is there Harrison to worry about, who's currently with Jamie, but Deb is in an extremely fragile state, and he can't bear to leave Miami. So he's on the run in Miami and the surrounding areas. Perhaps hiding out in places he's familiar with, places he's killed people before. It would make for nice throwbacks for the fans. Now, forget about the brain surgeon stuff entirely. Maybe Dr. Vogel comes in from a completely different angle. Maybe she only makes herself known to Dexter after seeing a news report about the search for him. And he suddenly has this question questionable new ally that can help fill him in more about his past. The stuff with Deb's breakdown can still be there, but a little differently. After Dexter meets with Vogel, perhaps he talks her into contacting Deb for him. And she ends up being the, the go-between for Deb and Dexter. While also counseling Deb, which would be the perfect cover for Deb to be talking to Vogel in, in the first place. While all this is happening, back at Miami Metro, things are in chaos. Perhaps Matthews tries to take the case away from them, but eventually leaves it in their hands as they know Dexter best. Well, they know the part of Dexter that he wanted them to know. And Deb is no longer on the force, but she's also not in custody. She's questioned at length, but never betrays Dexter, and is free to go. But they talk to her often to help with the investigation. Perhaps they even put a tail on her, just in case. And maybe that'll lead to something later. And then during this whole time, there there's an obvious divide among the people in the department, that some of them might lean toward feeling sympathy for Dexter and wanting to help him and understanding what he's doing while others want, want to catch him. Perhaps maybe eventually the feds get involved and it's time to finally see who is really on Dexter's side and who isn't. Perhaps former friends and partners become enemies. Perhaps someone like Masuka, who practically worshipped Dexter, feels ultimately betrayed, betrayed and ends up being one of the main group wanting to catch him, along with, say, Batista and Miller. On a side note, I could certainly see Hannah eventually coming back and being on the run with Dexter. Eventually, at the end, there's some sort of final confrontation. Maybe all the main cast is there. Maybe at the end, someone will have to make a change of heart and, and help Dexter, someone we wouldn't expect, maybe someone, maybe someone like Matthews or Quinn or it could be anyone, and 
then we'll see what happens from there. I mean, they, they can figure that out. But anyways, that that's the kind of thing I wanted to see. And I mean, a lot of the minor details would need to be much better worked out and fleshed out. But I think it would have made for a really good final season kind of thing I think a lot of us wanted to see. And, I mean, there's still a few episodes left, so we still might get some really good stuff, but I don't think it'll quite live up to what most of us really wanted. And that really saddens me, as I'm one of the people that, even during the slower seasons, I was still with the show and and still trusting in the show and thinking that eventually it was going to be this awesome end. And I had a phone call interrupt me. Anyways, I just wanted to send this off and see what you thought about it. And uh, also to say thanks and keep up the great work. I've really enjoyed the podcast. Goodbye. All right, Sean, thank you for uh, setting that in. I think like a lot of people, it's like it's been discussed or will at least be discussed. I mean, this season doesn't have a big sense of finality and I think what you are uh, proposing for the final season's events, how they could have gone, certainly f- feels like a more final season. Uh, I know it's f- it's far too late, of course, now, but I think that it was, even back in 2007, I think it was really obvious that season two was final season material. I mean, bringing out the whole story of, like, not only the police, but the FBI are hunting down Dexter himself, I mean... Uh, maybe they blew their wad a little too quick, quickly. Uh, it, d- it does have me wondering, are we going, are we really supposed to have, if I guess the end of the series will be Dexter's downfall, if that's the case, the route they're going to go, or is it really, are we really going to have Dexter's entire life be unraveled in just these final three episodes coming up? I don't know. Um, but I remember even back in, when I was so pumped for season two, I remember I was taking a, a college class at, I was, I was taking a summer school class at a community college. And I remember some, I don't know, right? I looked on the computers at, on the school or something. And I remember seeing when they released like the plot synopsis for season two. And I remember I, at the time, I remember wondering, is this going to be the last season? Back then they weren't announcing seasons in advance. They weren't renewing more than one season at a time. So I remember like, are they already ending Dexter? Cause that seemed like the last way, the last thing to do, but I don't know. We're in some ways we're getting a rehash of seasons one and seasons four right now. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad if we got a rehash of season two at some point. All right, and up next is Tina from New York. She's a first-time caller. We love hearing those, and uh, let's just get into it. She's got a lot to say about uh, Michael C. Hall's bum. Hi, Gareth. This is Tina from New York. Uh, first time caller. I've been listening to the podcast for probably the last two seasons, maybe three, uh, but I haven't responded until now. Just listened to your latest podcast of Are We There Yet? Did not disappoint me. Thought it was wonderful. I've been looking forward to it since the ending of the episode. Um, really shocked by the end of the episode. Usually I don't uh, stay spoiler free, but this season, because it's the last, I've chosen to try to do that to the best of my ability. And I really just loved how everything came to a head when I saw the back of Zach's head cut open and the brain in the jar. 
it was just really cool. I thought they really tricked us a little bit um, with that scene. Um, you know, I think the last couple episodes have been slow. Uh, I wasn't really feeling Zach at first, but this episode, I really loved him. And I think there's maybe a, a a method to that because at the beginning we're meeting him and he's skulking around his father's big house and, you know, and taking pictures of crime scenes and all of that. And uh, the truth is, is he's just a a young kid and he's going to have a defense up, you know, at first and we're going to think he's sketchy, but, you know, he kind of let Dexter and, uh, Dr. Vogel in and we get to see that he's just, you know, doesn't really know what to do with all this and is kind of resorting back to being his age and going through his learning curve. So it was really uh, nice to see that growth, but then it really was a zinger at the end when he died. Um, I wasn't so much for all of the Hannah Dexter stuff. Um, I guess I can see them together. It's I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I know you, on the podcast you talked a lot about the love scene, and I it was a little gratuitous maybe, but I think it's the final love scene of the the series. So I'm gonna give it um, give it a pass. Uh, I did like seeing. Michael C. Hall's bum, uh, even if you did not. Uh, I think the coolest part of the episode, other than the very last couple seconds, was the dinner at Vogel's house. Very Silence of the Lamb vibe. Uh, The way the table was lit, the way she seemed to be in control of everything, even the sound of her voice. It reminded me of Hannibal Lecter. When she asked if any of them, you know, were vegetarians or or whatnot, uh, all I could think of, the first thought I had was, are there brains in this meal, this old family recipe that she has? That's That was my immediate first thought. Um, I don't trust that. And, of course, they picked on the very uh, unsubtle clues about her past. And you just get the sense that she, even if she hasn't killed anyone or isn't, you know, psychopath in practice, she certainly is in theory. Uh, she she really just seems kind of diabolical. So, uh you know, I really enjoyed that. And then um, I'm looking forward to what's going to come up. We have four episodes left, and I hope it's I hope it's everything that we want it to be, even though a lot of us are a little nervous that it's not going to be. And finally, I have to say I absolutely loved Travis's uh, podcast that he hosted in the song. That was great. I laughed hysterically I was at work I had the podcast on I was I was really trying not to get in trouble and uh the second thing is his uh Dex in the City today and the podcast hilarious he's very funny he's kind he's an out there guy 
Oh, Tina, uh, you got cut off at the at the most flattering part, at the absolute best part of your feedback. Oh, I'm sorry you got cut off. I think there's like a, a, a time limit. Your thing was just about short of five minutes. But no, honestly, thank you for all your kind words, of course, towards Gareth, but I, I'm speaking for myself. Thank you for your kind words. To me, I you know, everyone likes hearing compliments, and you didn't know I was going to be recording this week, so you didn't even have to say that. So, but thank you. Um, that's really you're, you sound like a sweetheart. You're really great. Thank you. Uh, thank you a lot. Hopefully, um, you don't get in trouble laughing at all my hilarity uh, for this week's podcast with you at work. But uh, yeah, you uh, as I mentioned before, you talked about you liked uh, Michael C. Hall's bum. You know, I mean, I, I I've let it be known in the past on this podcast. I like to see everybody naked. I mean, you tell me there's pictures of Roseanne right now naked online. I'm gonna look those up. It's just I'll I'll look at anybody naked, at least once. But I never understood women's obsessions with men's butts. I don't get it. Uh, for a man, of course. Well, okay, you know, if we let me speak a little bit more maturely here. A man generally likes a lot of things about a woman, or I guess a man could generally, they like boobs, or they like their butt. Uh, those are kind of like the two big things. Because the thing is, when normally with when sex comes into play, that's something men can look at when they're sexing, different ways to do it and whatnot. But for women, though, for most standard, I don't know, most normal people, I can't imagine sex that involves the woman seeing the guy's butt, right? Generally speaking, the guy's always facing forward, facing the woman when sex is involved, right? I mean, I'm I'm creative. I, I could think of some ways that a man could not be facing forward during sex, but I'm not sure. That gets into, like, fetish stuff, things that I don't know if most women who like men's butts. I don't know. Is this sounding weird? I think it's sounding a little weird, but I just don't understand. I can understand a woman liking a guy who's well-built or whatever, you know, because she's looking at some stud muffin with muscles and whatnot or handsome face, cleft chin, all that stuff. But the butt, women, you don't even see guys' butts. Hardly ever. What are you looking at the butt for, Tina? Well, come on. I don't know. There, There's some... I don't know. I'm not a woman. You all know I'm not a woman. The The woman's ways are not my own. But anyway, so okay, enough of this, <laughs> enough of my stupid comments. Uh, we're gonna dive into feedback for this uh, this week's episode. Okay, so first up for feedback for this week, I think I'd kind of like to do house cleaning on the Facebook page before I move into the emails and the voicemails that I have. And please, I must ask in advance to forgive any sort of stumbling I do while reading or mispronunciation of names. A lot of this stuff I will be reading for the first time live for you on this podcast. All right, so with that in mind, Jerry Dodson, he on the Facebook page, he wrote in, I'm sorry, but the clump of hair glued with blood under the workbench to give a clue to Zach's murderer just strains credulity beyond the breaking point. This was clearly a device provided to expedite the plot and not at all believable. Other than that, it was a good episode. That's what he thought. Uh, Sandra Pizer wrote something kind of funny. She writes that many things in this episode are just over the top, referring to the scene where Dexter was waiting for a long time for Oliver to leave the cafe. She writes, I almost thought I saw a guy in the background jumping over a shark. That's kind of funny. Uh, Daniel Horley, in response, writes, Oh, and by the way, Hannah, you are now being pursued by the police, so why don't you drive around in a big pink dress which just screams, Look at me! And Bugger wearing sunglasses or a hat. I suppose it's, uh, it's, I suppose it's supposed to be because she's hot, hot, hot! Sandro Ishmael says, uh, what about Dexter saying to Hannah, please do not leave seconds before her departure on the airplane? Yeah, big cliche. 
Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, Christopher Graham, he keeps it short and sweet. He just writes, now, now it feels like a final season. That's the edge of your seat stuff. That's nice to hear different opinions like that and stuff. <clears throat> Uh, Tina Lindley on the Facebook page, she wrote, I just watched episode 9 of Dexter, and I hardly recognize her favorite serial killer. Dexter should have Hannah's blood... Dexter should have Hannah's blonde hair, given how dumb he was in this week's episode. He was so sloppy, walking around with Hannah in broad daylight after a close call visit by the U.S. Marshal, and he stuck out like a sour thumb at the cafe. It's really kind of pathetic. Dr. Vogel's pass is now out in the open, but it isn't all that original. Oliver doesn't scream Big Bad as much as the writers want to make him out to be by keeping him steps ahead of Dexter all season. I was reading an NBC recap, and the writer's idea for introducing Oliver was significantly better. The writer suggested, If the writers really had an endgame in sight, they could have set up Oliver in Dex's apartment building, woo his nanny away from Quinn, kill her, and allow Batista to be uh, more than Mouthy's math piece. Uh, uh, put my teeth back in. Allow Batista to be more than Matthew's mouthpiece. That does sound like a good idea. Or, you know, it'd be more shocking to see Jamie get killed. But back to Tina's. Uh, Vogel is complicated because I think she has psychopathic tendencies herself. She doesn't flinch seeing violence occur before her eyes and only seems to show empathy for her patients. I do think it would be cooler if she'd been in cahoots with Oliver the whole time, but it doesn't seem to be the case. She's in serious denial about how dangerous he is. It was also obvious that Oliver was in her house when Dexter went to see her. I agree, Tina. She was acting a little strange, really dismissive of Dexter. Tina continues to write, Dexter is dreaming if he thinks he can really start a new life with Hannah and Harrison in Argentina. His abrupt departure from Miami Metro after Hannah resurfaces begs for questions to be asked. Also, if it makes... Uh, also, it makes one wonder what happened to Dexter's early season realization that he couldn't live without Deb. He's acting like Deb is an afterthought, but don't get me started on Deb letting Hannah stay at her house and eat her food. I feel like the uh, the writers have been uh, the writers have taken Dexter and Deb and given them a frontal lobotomy that Oliver might end up wanting to perform on them. <clears throat> Thank you for writing that in, Tina. I'm sorry I kind of butchered it there at the end. I was kind of stumbling over what you'd written, but you did bring up a really good point about Dexter's early season realization. I mean, he was freaking like, oh. I can't live without Deb. You know, he realized, oh, Deb can live without me, but I can't live without her. And that's true. He's just going to straight up bounce on Miami. In fact, that is a really good point. I wish I had thought about myself and stolen it. Very true. What was all that for if, if he can live without Deb? Good question, Tina. That is, you receive a gold star for this week's podcast. Hampus Hagland, I think that's how you say his name. He posted kind of a funny picture on the Facebook page. It's just a nothing photoshopped or anything. It's just a, the scene with uh, Oliver waiting in the cafe again, the scene that we've talked about. And Dexter just straight lurking in the background like a creeper, just staring all by himself. Hey, no one seems to be bothered by him. Yeah, but it's kind of funny. You know, he writes, uh, he, he, his comment is this. He says, uh, this is a picture from the latest episode right before Dexter follows Oliver. And uh, then Harry says, Saxon must have spotted you, to which Dexter replies, he's good at this. I, and um, Hampus writes, come on. He's standing right there. Saxon doesn't even have to be good at this to spot him. Ray Charles would have spotted him. This season just feels sloppy. Or is it just me? Hampus, no, it's not you. I've kind of expressed that feeling. And I think a lot of the feedback this week, unfortunately, is saying the same thing. Uh, Sandra wrote, uh, oh, why not just put a reflective vest on him saying, killer at work? That'd be kind of funny. If, you know, hard hat and stuff. Uh, you know, Danielle Horley writes, oh boy, can Oliver move fast? He slashes tires in the blink of an eye. Plus, I suppose being a serial killer, Oliver carries very sharp objects with him just for this purpose. Um, Hampus writes, I agree, and the big bad is so bad and, un- and interesting. He, he writes that he's been rewatching season four. 
uh, concurrently with this season, and it doesn't even feel like the same show. Jacob Newman wrote, uh, yeah, plus Dexter parked right next to Oliver. Uh, he was hiding in plain sight. Maybe he somehow thought that Daniel slash Oliver did know what he looked like or did not know what he looked like, or Dexter thinks he is so much smarter than everyone else and that everyone else is a complete fool. I don't know, Jacob. Hampus agrees. He writes, uh, I didn't even think about the fact that he parked next to him, too. But he knew that Daniel slash Oliver, the brain surgeon, would uh, recognize him. They have met a couple times, and obviously the brain surgeon ha- uh, has been keeping tabs on Vogel and Dexter for a while. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of good you could say about Dexter's behavior during that scene. Finally, for the Facebook feedback, Deanna Johnston Chow. Chow I never got confirmation on your name, girl. DJ Chow. She's coming back with a new hit. She's got a funny Facebook profile picture, too. It's uh, the cartoon Dexter killing a Powerpuff Girls. Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. That's funny. Okay, but she writes She writes this. She goes, well, Gareth, I'm not going to waste my time sending you a voicemail this week. I'm so angry at this show. The aging software was almost the last straw that broke the camel's back. I was bored enough with this episode when I checked the times, and it was only a half hour I was, or half hour left. I was stunned because of how this episode dragged. Two hours left. I'm going to watch a... I'm going to watch because I have put eight. I have put in eight years, but I am so disappointed. I nearly uh, spun out listening to the wrap up podcast. Can can they truly be that obtuse? Damn, damn, double damn. Damn, damn, damn. Last week I thought things were looking up. Now I'm pissed again. Oh well, your podcast is always fun. Thank you, uh, Deanna. Deanna, thank you, uh, Gareth. I appreciate saying that. She wrote that she meant to say three hours left. When uh, when she said that there was, there was two hours left of the show, Sandra, I guess now we're going to be talking about the wrap up podcast. Sandra says that she turned off the wrap up podcast after ten minutes because they just don't get that they're wrong and it made her angry. Um, Deanna wrote uh, the writer interview with the writer's interview with all the self congratulatory backstopping pissed me off. The second half where they talked about the production design was the least interesting. I have uh, such a schizoid uh, relationship with the show this season. That's funny. Um, yeah, the right. If you guys aren't in the know, I think a lot of you are. But the wrap up podcast is the official Dexter podcast that started last season, just during season seven, and it's run by one of the writers of the the show, Scott Reynolds. My beef with the with the podcast, it is really self congratulatory. But of course, the writers aren't going to admit when they're wrong. They're not going to say like, "Yeah, we kind of suck," or you know, "We didn't do too well." But the thing that separates it from, like, uh, I hate bringing it up because a lot of people bring it up, but, like, the Breaking Bad has an official podcast, but that's run by one of the editors so of the show. She worked on the show, but she's not a writer or anything. So when she congratulates her, when she says, wow, the show's so good, you did so great, I, I can, I'm more likely to take that. That goes down easier because she's an editor. She, I guess, in some way can be more objective about it but when this is written by the writer himself someone who helped write it and he's all talking about like man that's really great it does it is a little it's not in good taste i mean because a lot of times what he'll do is he'll start off the podcast like if they're you know um i think in this last one it started out with since oliver saxon was at the end was like okay mom i think that's what he kind of came in like wow mom can you believe it like he acts like our minds are supposed to be blown like he just did us all a great favor by by telling us this and by doing this podcast. Uh, it's just, this, I don't know. You have to have some sort of self-deprecation if you're going to be hosting these things. Um, but yeah, that's it uh, for Facebook. Now let's move on to, well, thank you, DJ, for for writing in. And I'm sorry that you that you feel the way you do and that you the thing's making you feel like a schizoid, but whatever. But thanks for writing in. Now let's move on to emails and voicemails and stuff. 
All right, so for feedback, you know, a big problem this season has been uh, spoilers slipping out. You know, someone savory types have been emailing Gareth trying to spoil the show for him. He's been a champ, and some I think maybe he's been a little bit spoiled. He Hopefully he hasn't. But he even warned me about spoil, spoilers, like, watch out, brother. So, you know, I'm, trying, I'm doing my best to make sure none of those slip out and get to y'all. You know, but hey, I'm a good guy. What can I say, you know? So with that in mind, let's let's jump right into this. Our first email is from Michael Moore, the filmmaker? Probably not. Michael Moore writes this. He writes, I listened to the Are We There Yet episode. It was the first one of this the first podcast of the season that I was able to catch. It's great coverage, as always. I was surprised to find out that there was so much animosity towards the slow season. So far, I've thought it's been great. A full sprint out of the gate would have made the season feel too short and no chance to savor the last season of the show. It also allows for breakneck uh, for a breakneck ending. Hell, my biggest complaints over the eight seasons have been the use of the front car tags for Florida cars, because we don't use those in Florida, and the keys being depicted with big beaches. They have to import sand for what small beaches they have. But that's just a Floridian getting his boxers in a bunch and nerding it up a bit. Episode 9 uh, was a great episode. From the moment that Dr. Vogel was introduced, I knew she was going to be the big bad, based off the way she kept eyeing Dexter in the briefing, and the way it sounded as though she was just talking to and about him. And an interesting container story she had about her two sons, and, and Saxon being her long-lost son. You know, with the way Dr. Vogel seems, I wonder if she had anything to do with Dexter's brother's treatment. Either way, I can't seem to figure out why she would be uh, contacting Dexter in the first place. It obviously wasn't to find her son or the brain surgeon. I wonder if, before he died, Harry had caused her some great harm. Anyway, here's to the end of a great show. Thanks. Mike from Fruit Cove, Florida. Well, thanks for uh, writing in, Michael. Uh, I think you're right about Dr. Vogel being the big bad, or your presumption that she would be the big bad. Seems to be kind of becoming true. I guess she hasn't full-on become the big bad yet. But Dexter hasn't made a lot of friends throughout the series that haven't become a problem, or at least weren't a problem at one time. The only person I could think of who wasn't a big bad, I guess I should say, is Lumen. Other than that, I think everybody that he's kind of befriended has sort of betrayed him at one point or another. But again, thanks for writing in. Alex Mouncey, Mouncey, again, forgive me. Alex writes into the podcast. Alex writes, The elephant is no longer simply in the room. It's aggressively trying to cuddle me while it trumpets a vuvuzela. The terrible decisions continue to multiply. The bizarre behavior goes unabated. Who are these people? What are they doing? It's as if over the course of the season, the body snatchers snuck their pods into the homes of all the Miamis and were watching some uh, some sort of post-invasion are-you-aren't-you-a-friend-or-foe confusion. Hannah, of course remains a pill as large as a bar of soap. The writers are attempting to stuff down our throats and, well, look around. I think it's evident there's resistance. To those who defend it, what can I say in response that Travis's voicemail last week hasn't accomplished already? Thank you for saying that, Alex. When the counterpoint is made by simply playing the dialogue back at you, uh, inflections and all, it's not me you have the, uh, to argue against. It's the reality of a situation. You said yourself, Gareth, that you feel like uh, you're making the same arguments defending Hannah that you did in Season 7. That's not coincidental. You're making Season 7 arguments in Season 8 because Season 7's lessons weren't learned or carried over. They're not even being acknowledged by the show. Through performance, through narrative, and through character, if this web of denial that keeps... You know, it's this web of denial that keeps Hannah uh, suspended and in full view. But really, she's a symptom of a larger problem. 
I read a review from the AV Club of this week's Dexter that, in my opinion, nailed it. The writers of the show keep treating Dexter like he's a superhero. That the task he performs is just uh, is just and good, and that, oh so tragically, his attempts to build stronger human connections lead to ruin. Maybe I'd be more susceptible to this view in the earlier seasons when he was more of a well-trained alien monster attempting to survive in a world and society that's intrinsically uh, inimicable uh, to creatures like him. Uh, but he no longer is. He's just an asshole that kills people and lies a lot. When things in this season keep breaking Dexter's way, I get irritated, not relieved. When his problems get solved in an episode or two, I don't fist pump and cheer, and cheer him on. I bemoan a lack of tension and consequence. So when the writers set, up, uh, set Dexter up to head off with this nice-looking trophy murderess he's spitting with to, to uh, Never Never Land so he can live a life, life as a fugitive and doom his uh, young son to that upbringing, I'm horrified to consider that the writers really, really thought this was the happy ending I wanted and that they think they're oh-so-clever and oh-so-cruel to snatch it away from us in, uh, at the last moment. Instead, when the hammer falls, I think a large number of us are going to be throwing our hands in the air and roll our eyes and shout, Finally! About time! When that's the reaction to the ultimate fate of your protagonist after eight years, you know you fucked up. Hey, well, uh, thank you for writing in, Alex. And again, thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, I actually, I, I think I saw the AV Club review you were you referred to, and I think, I, I mean, I agree with you and I agree with them, but they do kind of, uh, they do seem to have some <clears throat> infatuation, excuse me, that was really abrupt. They do have some infatuation with Dexter. More so than we do, or maybe more than they should as writers on the show. Uh, they do kind of hold them up on this pedestal in, uh, in ways that maybe we don't, or at least we haven't in a while. You do. You brought up a great point about how when things go Dexter's way, you actually aren't excited. And I think I agree with you. If, there, if this were an earlier season and something happened where somebody was on to Dexter or something, oh, dang, Dexter's about to get caught. I would, I would actually, earlier, I'd probably be relieved if if it got resolved quicker than not, like, oh, thank God, that's over, you know, I don't want Dexter to get caught. But now it's the opposite. Now I do feel like, what, that's it? Really? That's you're going to give her that story that cheap? Or, you know, something when things just go his way too easy. Like I had mentioned earlier, how Deb just agreed that Hannah could stay there with, like, just, like, nothing. I don't know. But, but Alex, man, you got a lot of good points. Our next email comes from Anthony Chips. Anthony writes in, Hey, Gareth. This is my first time writing into the podcast, so I've been a fan for a few years. Hey, Anthony. Hey, welcome aboard. He says, I'd just like you to know what my thoughts are on this latest episode, Make Your Own Kind of Music. I'd also wanted you to know that Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense. Oh, fuck. God Sorry, guys. I don't know how that got slipped. I said no spoilers. Anthony, bro, come on. Don't be like that. Don't be sending in spoilers. Shit. Oh, sorry you guys had to hear that. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen again, I promise. How rude. All right, so actually, uh, we actually do have a voicemail now from Ian from Bristol. That guy's, that guy's always got something cool to say. Let's hear what he has to say. Hi, Gareth. It's Ian from Bristol here, commenting on Dexter Series 8, Episodes 8 and 9. Um, apologies for being late with my feedback a couple of weeks ago, um, but I do appreciate having my feedback added as breaking news at the end. That's the first time for me, I think. Um, on to my thoughts about Episode 8. Um well, in my previous feedback, I was 100% confident that Zack was being set up as a replacement Dexter for, for a new series. Um, but how wrong could I be? Uh, the moment when Dexter turns Zack's bodies around was possibly the best moment of the entire season for me. And in one unexpected moment, all my fears about how the writers were handling the season totally disappeared. And at last, the season started to feel like, like Dexter of old. 
my feelings for this final season have done a complete U-turn in one episode. I really should have trusted the show. In fact, so far, episode 8 has been my favourite episode this entire season. Um, I like the serial killer's convention in the hotel room, the meal at Dr Vogel's, and of course the final scene with Zack in the chair in, in Dexter's apartment. It's a shame that Zack was killed, because I was quite like getting to like him uh, after this episode. Um, quickly on to episode 9. Um, Dexter and Hannah have TV sex again. Um, you know TV sex, where they throw each other around the bed and no one has to sleep in the damp patch. I know that lots of fans don't like Hannah, um, but I think they make quite a good couple. Um, I'm sure that if Dexter finds happiness, it will be with Hannah in Argentina. In fact, even Harrison likes her, and the law of TV stepmom states that the children must always hate them. Um, therefore, I predict happy families at the end of this season, uh, unless they all get bumped off at the end. <laughs> we'll wait and see. So, Debs might or might not rejoin Miami Metro. I'm not sure, did, did she accept the job back on the force, or is she still undecided? It wasn't entirely clear to me. Um, but does that mean that she's now resolved her emotional conflict and problems with alcohol? Um, it was inferred that she'd be starting at the bottom as a detective again. I assume she could be fast-tracked, but will Quinn be next in line for the sergeant's position? I don't know. Um, I love the TV crime show software that Dexter used to aid the picture of Daniel to identify Oliver Saxon. It sits alongside other uh, examples of, of software used on TV shows, um, perfect phone GPS tracking, voice analysis software, a complete database of everyone in the entire world, and instantaneous DNA matching. Um, all good shortcuts to move the script along, but um, I, I'd like some realism there sometimes. Oh well, as long as it moves the story along, we'll just ignore that. I think the writers have done a really good job with hiding the brain surgeon killer in plain sight. Uh, I'm, I'm not aware of any of your other contributors mentioning him as a suspect or, or dodgy in any way. Um, the fact he's been in a few episodes and, and no one's really spotted him, uh, I think that's, that's good work. Um, and the revelation that the brain surgeon killer is Vogel's own son uh, has helped to, to kind of bring understanding to Vogel's character. Um, her desire to try and understand and in Dexter's case control the psychopathic tendencies are quite understandable. I believe she's obviously feeling guilty about how she treated her own son and when she was presented with Dexter um, she was trying to save him from going having the same fate. But now that her son is back I'm assuming that she'll betray Dexter to save, save Daniel. Um, to wrap up, I'm really happy with the way that the series is going now. The writers have misdirected me somewhat and I'm enjoying being wrong. It's nice to be still getting those what-the-fuck moments where everything you believe gets turned on its head. As always, thanks to the podcast, Gareth, and I look forward to the few remaining episodes. Bye-bye. Yes, TV sex. I think we're all very familiar with TV sex. It's the same kind of sex that you know puts shadows perfectly over the naughty bits. Or in Dexter's case, uh, gave Yvonne Strahovski a double mastectomy. With you know, you see when she's all laying down, and suddenly she's got like the flattest chest you've ever seen. Yeah, TV sex is uh, it's something else. Looks a lot more fun than real sex. I'll tell you that much. People on TV got it made in the shade. Uh, but yeah, you also brought up Ian. You brought up the computer software. Yeah, that stuff bothers a lot of people, me included. It's all you know, the worst offender, something like CSI. It's like, oh, enhance, enhance the image, zoom in, rotate, color correct. All this stuff that doesn't, you know, they'll zoom in some photo a thousand times and the resolution will be perfectly crystal clear or something. Yeah, it's pretty redonk. Uh, 
And yeah, Dexter, I mean, fell prey to that too in this episode or in other episodes. Yeah, just the DNA results. Yeah, the thing with DNA results on Dexter is very wonky. Sometimes if the story needs it, it's like, oh, we won't get the results back in, for a week or something. You know, other times the dude just gets a, like in this episode, just got a letter in the mail. Like, you know, just got delivered in the mail like a regular piece of the U.S. Postal Service. Very strange. Um, but yeah, it does expedite the plot, I guess. Some people would say they don't want to watch how long it would take, but I, I would say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be treated like a, a child and I'm watching a show. I don't know. But Ian, I'm glad that you're positive about the show. You, you can probably tell there's a lot of negativity towards this series, or at least towards this last episode. So I'm, I'm truthfully really happy when somebody's staying positive, hoping for the best. Next up, a podcast regular, Nick Henderson. He's written into to Gareth, and I suppose me by proxy. He writes, I feel like the show is finally getting back on track this season. With the brain surgeon back in play and Elway's escalating bitterness over Deborah's rejection and, through, and the introduction of the federal marshal, the stakes are all rising. This might, be, uh, this might have been my favorite episode of the season so far. From the start, it felt more akin to the episodes of Act 1 and noticeably different from anything we saw from Act 2. Dexter was on the trail of a known killer once he realized that Saxon was a real brain surgeon, and it felt like the Dexter of old. While I'm inclined to question Dexter's judgment to shack up with Hannah and consider the possibility of a future with her, I know what it's like to have feelings uh, like that for somebody. Uh, Love can truly make you do crazy things. In that regard, it's not that far-fetched. If the writers are smart, they will use this as a means to prove that Dexter has developed a true sense of humanity just in time to bring it crashing down for dramatic effect. While I saw the Vogel family connection coming, I am still pretty satisfied with the revelation that Saxon is Vogel's son. While his performance is obviously not as memorable as Lithgow's from season 4, I think he's doing a fine job of portraying Saxon as a psychopath. His obsession with the song Make Your Own Kind of Music and his insistence on playing it in the diner brought memories of Trinity rushing back for me. I'm hoping he knocks it out of the park for the final three episodes. This playful game of cat and mouse that took place at the diner and in the parking lot uh, was a lot of fun to watch. Finally, this episode finally got me uh, thinking about how this show might finally end. I've been pretty upset at how few kill room scenes we've had this season, and I think we are building up to some big ones. Obviously, I think Saxon will have to meet his end on the table. As big a role as he seems to have now, I don't think, or I don't see him uh, being the final kill this show. I bet he's out by uh, episode 11. After listening to last week's podcast, someone got me thinking, if Deb were to die, I think it might be by Elway's hand. He doesn't seem to serve any purpose right now other than to display his growing distaste for Deborah every episode. I'm predicting that Elway will snap when he finds out that Deborah returned to homicide, reconnected with Quinn, and helped conceal Hannah from the law. What better way to, to end the show than with Dexter's dispatching the monster who killed his sister? As much as I want Dexter to find happiness, I can't help but want something ballsy for the end of the show. I don't want Dexter to die. I'm, I'm personally hoping that something will happen to cause him to relapse into the monster we met in the pilot. I want the show to come full circle in and with Dexter's voiceover saying, Tonight's the night, and the audience knowing that it was doomed from the beginning, and Dexter had no choice but to do what he does best. Nick uh, wrote in one quick final uh, afterthought to that. He says, If my theory pans out, the show should end with Dexter starting a new blood site collection with a drop of Elway's blood. The end. Period. Nick, you bring up something that I had completely even forgotten about, and I don't think anyone else has mentioned. The whole Quinn thing. Yeah, Quinn did kind of try to hook up with Deborah this episode, right? I forgot all about that. Uh, I mean, I think I, I predicted it, or I thought it might come earlier when they seemed to be selling the point that Quinn was not over Deborah emotionally. 
But yeah, I, I did forget about that happening, and then when it did happen, I guess I was surprised. But yeah, good point bringing that back up. Um, will Elway be bitter? Does Elway really love Deborah that much, or like her her that much? I, he hasn't really even officially hit on her or anything, right? He's been creeping, but I don't think he's ever really asked her out or anything. I think even when he punched his brother-in-law, it was it wasn't because she, he was hitting on Deb; it was because he was cheating on his wife, which was Elway's sister. So I don't know. Yeah, but thanks for bringing that back up, man. You, I almost uh, let that one go by. Up next, Mark Puttafit. Uh, again, these names are killing me. Uh, he writes, Hi, Gareth. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple years, and it's about time I send in some feedback. So here goes. A lot of people have been comparing Dexter with Breaking Bad in recent weeks, and I think on one hand it's a little unfair since Dexter is a much more seasonal show with arcs that more or less tie up and new stories that come up with each season, whereas Breaking Bad has a more singular focus on Walt's journey from nice guy to not so much. That said, I agree with a lot of the comments with this final season that Dexter hasn't had high enough stakes for Dexter in terms of putting his identity and life at risk, which has been a little disappointing. But the tension and the twists in Breaking Bad every week are so well written that nothing ever feels wasted. It's looking like we will get a good last three episodes with the Marshall closing in on Hannah while Dexter goes up against Saxon slash Daniel. But I would have loved this season to have focused on Quinn renewing his suspicion on Dexter and him coming to realize that any move to take that any move to take down Dexter would probably take down Deb too. Real drama for our uh, real drama for our core characters, not Vogel being introduced so late in the run as a mother figure who betrays Dexter. The pointlessness of of the Zack arc, although that was fun to watch, it was. Let me start again. It's not his fault. It's mine. Although that was fun to watch, it was wasted. Or it wasted a good part of the final season with little payoff. So now we have our big bad targeted by Dexter, at least, but only three episodes for this to play out. Sorry for the negativity. I enjoy Dexter a lot, but had higher hopes with the season. Hoping to have my socks blown off for the final three. Thanks for a great podcast. Mark from Manchester. Hey, Mark, there's no reason to apologize for your negativity. Uh... I mean, you hear on this episode, there's kind of a lot of that, un- unfortunate as it may be. Your negativity was also sort of on like the lighter spectrum of some of the stuff that we're getting in. Certainly some of the stuff that I've been saying, so hey, no need to apologize. And besides, you shouldn't apologize anyway for speaking how you feel. I mean, I've always been of the opinion that you should never, you know, apologize for telling the truth. And if this is how you feel, man, let it be known. You can't be silenced. You've got a voice. You're a human being. Come on. Uh, but... Regarding the Breaking Bad Dexter uh, comparisons, I I think it's a fair comparison. I guess. I mean, in broad strokes, they both have similar premises. It's a dude who, so it's about a man who who lives a highly illegal double life and tries to keep it secret. I mean, broad strokes. I mean, they're kind of the same premise and they're ending at the same time. I mean, the comparisons are fair. Although personally, I I never tried to I never tried to bring it up. Because I don't want to be accused of being such a Breaking Bad fanboy, but hey, if everybody else does it, I mean, I, I guess it's anything's fair game. But you're right, Dexter has always been more seasonal. Uh, you know, I get they were based off, it was based off of novels, and I guess maybe it's kind of kept that format of wrapping up the arcs, uh, continuing with a brand new story. Next time we see it, generally a brand new story, but. I mean, there's not much that hasn't been said already. I guess I sound like a broken record. I mean, this, the stakes just aren't high for Dexter t- to be the end. And I think we, or at least I, will be a little disappointed if suddenly the stakes just get ramped up in, like, the last two episodes. Just something real quick, like something that we would... Th- that's the thing about Season 7. A lot of people liked Season 7, 
or something I praised it for was like it, it amped up the tension right away with in the very first episode in the first few episodes Deb asking Dexter the tough questions like what about this happened with Rita and are you a serial killer like they didn't f around trying to play that out all season and that's kind of what we were hoping for this we were hoping something would come straight away right you know come right out the dugout hit it out of the park but maybe that's not happening and I do agree with you kind of about Vogel being introduced so late it kind of seems like they're retconning Dexter's history right here at the end I don't know are we allowed to I guess it doesn't matter because this is all fictional and doesn't exist but are we allowed to in our mind decide when what's canon in the show and what's not because in my mind I feel like I'd stop after season three like yeah Dexter and Rita and all them lived happily ever after and nothing bad ever happened and then everything after that was like I don't know bad dream or something but I don't like to believe I don't know I don't know what I like to believe but Mark you bring up good points man all right next up we got an email from Jonathan Pickles he writes in Gareth I love the podcast I listen to it every week on my way to work and it brings joy I look forward to it all the time just a few small thoughts on this episode. Soylent Green is people. Oh, fuck. Jonathan, god damn it. Oh, guys, again, sorry. I've... That's a spoiler. I don't know how that... People are so rude. Making me look like a dummy. Uh, you guys, I'm sorry. Don't. Just disregard what you heard. That was That's not cool. I'm sorry here. We'll move on to another email. All right, so Adam Moskowitz. Moskowitz? Moskowitz was the name of the family from... The American Tale series, like Five Goes West and stuff. I don't think your name is Mouskowitz, is it? I don't, I don't know. If it is, that's a cool name to have, man. Anyway, uh, he writes, uh, First off, Gareth, thanks for the awesome podcast. Your show, along with the Two Guys Talking podcast, would hold me over in between episodes, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Crazy that it's so close to coming to an end. Uh, here's some thoughts from episode uh, 9 of season 8 from a fan from South Florida. And he has these bullet points in which he writes... Oliver Saxon equals Daniel Vogel? Okay, maybe explanation is still forthcoming, but why in the hell did he go so far out of the way to frame Zach Hamilton for Cassie's murder with the blood in her fingernails only to kill him the next day? And if you could just access Dexter's apartment to drop off Zach's body and leave an iPod on repeat, why not just kill slash take Harrison and or Jamie? I trust the show, as the mantra goes, but there are, uh, but there are always things in every episode that make me go, hmm... Like, how did Oliver or Daniel get Zach's body into Dexter's when there was a murder at his neighbor's place the, the day before? And how did Dexter get the body out? Hmm. Another Oliver slash Daniel question that comes to mind is, why did he deliver a DVD to his mom of him forcing a guy to kill another guy earlier in the season? Uh, weird way to say, hi, Mom, I'm alive. It really makes me question being uh, him being the brain surgeon, but with only three episodes left, I doubt there's going to be another twist where he really isn't Dr. Bogle's son, but somehow faked the hair sample at Zach's place and soda, soda, uh, and soda can came from his alleged garbage. Even though the brain surgeon was established during the first episode of the season, I still feel we don't know this guy at all. So him sitting there with his mom at the end, at the end with creepy music kind of fell flat for me. Why exactly does Dexter need to kill him before he leaves with Hannah? He just wants uh, he just wants to, which is a very different circumstance. Some thoughts on Dr. Evelyn Vogel. Has she, uh, has she masterminded this whole thing from the beginning? Or is she just getting on board via Dexter's forensic work like we are led to believe? With three episodes left, a lot can happen, but her character definitely gives me the creeps at times. And I'm not sure who will potentially be on Dexter's table. Her or Oliver? Or both. Has there been a, has there ever been a dual kill? And also, she mentioned that her husband identified the body of their burnt son. Is he involved? 
We haven't heard from him yet. Why did Dexter feel the need to tell Dr. Vogel his plans to go out with Hannah? It seems that since he has officially decided... It seems that he has officially decided and announced his plan. He has jinxed himself, especially since Daniel slash Oliver was within earshot. And also, won't the marshal searching for Hannah be suspicious when Dexter suddenly quits Miami Metro and leaves town? Elway is a big question mark right now. Yeah, he loves slash hates Deborah and knows she's on her way out. Will the El Sapo Jules thing come back up, much like the Yates fake out? We all hope so. Speaking of Yates, he had Dr. Vogel's notes on his computer as well. Is there anyone that isn't tracking uh, Evelyn's laptop? Maybe Dexter should install some uh, some of his own spy- spyware if he were smart. To Hannah, did she really have to wear the hottest pink dress to go out, uh, pick up cash from a friend when they were being hunted? Geez, you think she would put on a little more something a little more low-key, maybe wear a hat or try being brunette or something? Plot holes and ridiculousness excluded... I have enjoyed the series as a whole immensely. Yes, there are lulls and WTF moments episodes, but the characters are compelling and really well acted. And Dexter being a show that I've watched live from the very first episode, it's awesome to be watching it end eight years later. P.S. I still contend that the single best moment of the show was Dexter finding Rita in the tub and baby Harrison in the blood after Trinity's uh, killing. It really could have ended there, and I would have been fine with the series being only four seasons. Let's hope they can somehow top that three episodes from now. All the best, and thank you again, Gareth, for the podcast. This is only my second time writing in, but I listen every week. And it's great to hear my Dexter thoughts in your amazing accent. Cheers to a great series finale. Adam. Well, Adam, I guess the first thing I should do is apologize. I'm not Gareth. I don't... You, the second time you wrote in, and you wrote us a lot of great things... And you're not going to get to hear in Gareth's kick-ass accent. Hopefully, you said you're from Florida. Hopefully, my just kind of like generic Californian accent, hopefully that will suffice. I know it's not as interesting as Gareth's, but now I feel now you're making me feel guilty. But on to some things that you wrote. Yes, there have been dual, a dual, there has been a dual kill in the past. In fact, there's been two that I can think of. The first being in episode five of season one. Love American style. Dexter killed Jorge Castillo and his wife. That was cool because that was kind of unplanned on Dexter's part. Well, in fact, it was unplanned on Dexter. Well, he planned on killing the both of them when he had them on the table. It's not like he accidentally killed someone while they're on the table. But you know what I mean. The second one was uh, he killed. What was his name? It was like Roger and somebody else in the first episode of season six. Those kinds of things. The, the two paramedics. He he killed them both. But yeah, dual kill would be cool again. Yeah, I don't know. Dexter kind of has a flavor of the theatrics somehow. Sometimes, I mean, so it'd be kind of cool to see a dual kill happen. Uh, you bring up the fact that, like, why does Dexter need to kill the brain surgeon? That's a damn good question. Because uh, this is the same thing I brought up before. The same same thing I, I had asked during season six again with the Travis Marshall thing. Why did Dexter need to kill Travis Marshall? Why does he need to kill the brain surgeon? This dude really doesn't affect him at all. Dexter could just bone out. In fact, he does kind of plan to bone out of Miami. And man, ain't nothing gonna. Ha- There's nothing gonna change. It's not like, at least with Trinity, when he needed to be the one to kill Trinity, I felt like that at least was a little justified because Dexter had invested so much in Trinity, and it was kind of maybe more symbolic of how Dexter, oh, you know, if I kill Trinity, then I could stop being the way I am, or you know, I don't know something like that. But man, the brain surgeon, man, don't even. Why you gotta think about this dumb stuff, Dexter? Come on, you ain't got time for that. Don't you gotta go run away with your girl, Hannah? And yeah, very good point about. Everybody's spying on Vogel. Uh, yeah, well, maybe are we to believe the real brain surgeon planted that evidence on um, Yates' computer? Is that possible? I don't know. Yates was. They did let us know he was super tech savvy. So I don't know. 
But anyway, Adam, thanks for writing in. I real, I'm sorry Gareth couldn't uh, respond. Hey, you start writing, write again next week or something, man, and he'll read it. Or maybe you want me to have me read your stuff in a British accent. I could practice that for you. Next up, we got a voicemail from Duncan in Connecticut. It's his first time calling. We love when that happens. And this dude's got alliteration coming out of his ass, man. It's actually pretty cool. Check it out. Hey, Gareth. This is Duncan in Connecticut. I started listening to your podcast around midway through season seven, and this is my first time calling in. Great work with Dissecting Dexter. It's awesome to hear from people who have really put some thought into reading into the show. I only started getting into podcasts late last year, and I think it's a great free market form of entertainment media. Podcasts excellently accompany TV shows, for instance, and Dissecting Dexter is a perfect example. On to Dexter. I've been a fan since season one, and I'm literally terrified of what could happen to end this season closing the epic saga of Dexter. I'm terrified for Dexter. Might his darkness be discovered? Will his deadly deeds be detected? Dexter demonized as his disguise is destroyed, his domain dismantled, his downfall on full display? Will Dexter meet defeat? Will our dearly deranged Dexter be dealt death and dirge? I can think of any number of scenarios that could play out, leaving our favorite monster bleeding out himself. The bullet could come from a number of people. Or knife. It could be the brain surgeon, Dr. Vogel, Elway, the federal marshal, Quinn. Who knows? Anyone catching Dexter in the act of doing what he does best could end up being forced to drop him. Even Deb, especially if she were back with the boys in blue, under pressure to prove her loyalty. Hannah may be extremely hot, but she's still insane. At least at some level. Maybe if things get too dire... She'll poison Dexter herself and Harrison so they can be together forever. I don't really think she's that kind of crazy, but you never know. Harry's, which is really Dexter's revelation last episode that he has something more important now than killing. Dexter's decision to ask Hannah to stay and his verbalization this week that he loves Hannah really showed that Dexter is not the psychopath that Vogel and Harry thought him to be. He's actually a secondary psychopath with suppressed feelings of empathy induced by the emotional overload of the trauma that witnessing his mother's death caused. Triggered by love, he's beginning to emerge from his state of secondary psychopathy into the normal human condition. The main difference between a psychopath and a secondary psychopath is that a secondary psychopath can be cured and the brain's empathy restored. Whereas a true psychopath is incurable, a victim in their own way of physical damage to the brain, preventing them from feeling empathy. Caught between two worlds, as Vogel said, will, Dexter's desi- will Dexter design his own demise? His new emotions clouding his calculated judgment? Will the character be vilified, or will Dexter triumph and escape unscathed, babe and baby at his sides? Destination Argentina, revered by the audience for his success. The latter seems less plausible, although just as welcome. It's a sign of a good show when I, the viewer, know the downfall of the character makes for the more artistically satisfying conclusion but I've become so attached to the characters that I still just want Dexter to escape. Ah! 
the way this episode picked up the steam of the season was crazy. So much happened. Dexter openly in love and his judgment obviously slipping. The revelation of the identity of the brain surgeon and his shocking connection to Vogel. The brain surgeon is a formidable foe for Dexter to face. Capable of setting fire to a mental institution as a patient and faking his own death when just a teenager. Subsequently stealing a dead man's identity and evading capture as a vicious psychopath. This is one of the most serious threats Dexter has ever encountered. This guy's also clever enough to be able to monitor other people's computers in live time at a distance, as he did with Vogel's. All this equals big problems for Dex. Not to mention how the federal marshals are closing in. Elway is suspicious and going into full speed ahead in his investigation into Hannah, who's intimately tied with Dexter now. Again. By the way, I'm pumped to see Sean Patrick Flannery getting a significant role in the upcoming chaos. (laughs) Good stuff. With the disappearance of Hannah's husband and the inevitable blowback and resulting search and investigation, the walls seem to be closing in on Dexter slash Hannah from all directions. It seems to me that Dexter's only hope would be to eliminate Hannah and focus on the brain surgeon covering his own tracks. But the days where Dexter would be capable of that, so emotionally devoid that all that mattered was satisfying the dark need meeting the requirements of the code, and covering his tracks are long gone. With new emotions to experience, the need, and thus the focus on self-preservation, takes a back seat. Once he's capable of it, Dexter is easily won over by love. This, however, does not bode well for a happy ending. I would not be surprised to see some type of massive tragedy. Who isn't in danger at this point? We'll just have to find out and see what happens. I trust the show, and I've been pleased with the direction it's taken every season so far. I'm sure the finale will not disappoint. Thanks for your hard work on the podcast, Gareth. P.S. That Dextered-out version of Dr. Dre's The Next Episode a few podcasts back was incredible. Thanks, Travis, you funny bastard. Also, Dex in the City was hilarious. Back to you, Gareth. Duncan, I've never been more happy to be called a bastard in my life. Thank you for your kind words. It's a little embarrassing, everybody's saying so many great things about me when I'm hosting. I promise I didn't put anybody up to this, but thank you. Thank you, Duncan, for saying everything you did. And again, I compliment you on your alliteration skills. They were very fantastic. Uh, did you get by, get by, bleh, Did you get bit by a mosquito or something in the middle of that? You made that little, like, Hah! Like that noise. Sounds like you're outside, like maybe in a swamp. Are there swamps in Connecticut? You tell me. Uh, I ain't got time to look that up. I'm recording a podcast right now. But I left that little... I considered editing that noise out for you, but I left it in in case I was like... Audio evidence that you were fighting a Shogun warrior or something. You know, there's a lot of cute girls listening to this podcast. You know, I'm just looking out for you. You could look like a real badass. That's all I'm saying. Uh, You mentioned... Hannah maybe poisoning Dexter and and uh, Harrison and herself. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, you don't even think that'll happen. I don't. I didn't mean to apply that. You had some far-fetched dumb idea. But yeah, that's uh, Hannah really hasn't even poisoned anybody. I mean, that's kind of her thing. But she really hasn't done that this season, has she? I wonder. If, I wonder if she will. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm a dummy. Well, she did 
sedate Dexter and Deb. I guess she did do that. So if, uh, never mind. Forget what I just said. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the, I guess the the thing that really stuck out with me is you you kept mentioning something called a secondary psychopath. I don't even know if that's real. I don't know what your background is in psychology, but yo man, you sold me on it. It sounds real to me. Hearing things about secondary psychopathy and whatnot. My only, I guess, defense against that in terms of the series, which isn't dealing with real psychopaths or secondary psychopaths, is that, I mean, Dexter was taught the code by Harry and apparently by Vogel, but Dexter did have the urges to kill before the code was taught. He was killing those dogs. He was killing the neighborhood animals. I mean, that's where this all stemmed from. I mean, he did have an urge to kill. This wasn't all just implanted in him by his father. I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder if something like this will get brought up. This does make me think. I wonder why Brian was never the Rystruck killer was has never been brought up by Vogel. I mean, I guess she didn't have anything to do with him. But considering she was so hands on or hands off, I guess depending on how you look at it, with Dexter's development, I mean, she had to have been aware of his brothers. I don't know. But Duncan, thanks for writing in. All right, now we've got an email from Down Under. It's Danielle in Sydney, Australia. She says, hi, Gareth. Well, I'm kind of despondent about the whole thing. I sure hope the ending is good, but overall, the season has been a disappointment for me. I almost don't really care what happens to Dexter now. I know it's fiction and that leeway must be given, but how much are we supposed to tolerate before it just becomes ridiculous? Nothing surprised me in this episode. Dexter's behaving in a very odd way. Hannah might as well walk around with a big neon sign saying, here I am, come and get me. Hannah is shacked up with Deb. Oh, I can't be bothered to go on. Oliver should just hurry up and kill Dexter and put us all out of our misery. Cheers, Danielle from Sydney, Australia. Danielle, girl, as cold as ice, put us out of our misery. You were the best of us. If you're if you're jumping the Dexter ship, what hope do we all have? You got to trust the show. That's what Gareth would say. I don't. I don't uh, subscribe to that so much. I feel like I don't know the show anything. I I don't got to trust shit. I pay for Showtime. That's all I. That's all they deserve. No, I don't know. No, that's too rude. But Danielle, I'm sorry you feel that way. Girl, I don't know what to say. Okay, next up, we got Courtney Waffle from Las Vegas, Nevada, right now. And she says, Man, I really can't get over my frustration for this last episode. Deb is acting so unreasonably, and Dexter is not being himself. I mean, this is almost as bad as when I first found out that the Planet of the Apes was Earth. God, you guys! What the? Knock it off! You guys, stop it. I said no spoilers. Would you... <sighs> Breathe in. <sighs> Exhale. <sighs> oh, man. You guys... Did you get off on this? You think this is funny? Quit spoiling things for me and Gareth. It's not cool. Ugh. Let's go to a voicemail from Chris. Hi, Gareth. It is Chris from Georgia calling about Dexter's Season 8, Episode 9, Make Your Own Kind of Music. Well, we finally know who the brain surgeon is, and surprise, surprise, it's Oliver. Though, to be fair, there really weren't that many choices. There was Dr. Vogel, who seemed far too weak to have actually committed any of the crimes. There was Elway, who displayed zero psychopathic tendencies and also had no motive. And then there was, of course, Oliver, whose girlfriend was murdered in her apartment by someone she knew. Okay, so it was 
kind of obvious in that sense. But I didn't know the whole sun thing was coming. That was an interesting twist. Though I guess it was also slightly telegraphed. It was probably related to Vogel when he was sending her all the brain cores. In other news, and perhaps more interesting news to me, Dexter wants to move to Argentina with Hannah. After her being back in town for like, what, two or three days? Don't get me wrong, I buy the romance, and I certainly buy the idea of an old flame returning, rekindling up passions. I just don't know that I buy that it's enough to cause him to want to change his entire life, uproot his son, and move to a faraway country with a convicted felon. These are all kind of major life decisions, and not the kind of things that people base on a couple of days of experience. Not to mention, it was also possibly maybe sort of hinted that he wouldn't want to kill once he moved to Argentina, or that he would stop doing it. It was never outright said, but it was kind of implied, which, to be fair, is a really big revelation for the character if that's indeed the case. I would argue, however, that that's not the case, and here's why. If Dexter wanted to, tomorrow he could get on the boat or the plane or whatever with Harrison and move to Argentina with Hannah. But he's made it abundantly clear that he aims to kill the brain surgeon before he leaves. Now, he's not doing this because he truly feels some sort of fear for his family, because let's be honest, if he actually moved to Argentina with Hannah... A, I don't think that the brain surgeon, a.k.a. Oliver, would even be able to find him if he didn't want to be found. And B, and perhaps even more relevant, I guess, I don't think Oliver would even care to chase him. The only reason he's given Dexter so much attention here lately is because Dexter was Vogel's new sidekick, if you will. And I guess maybe he was jealous Mommy was giving someone else attention. Once Dexter's out of the picture... Oliver has absolutely no reason to pursue that lead. No, Dexter is staying in Miami because he wants to, perhaps, nay, has to, kill Oliver, much in the same way as he had to kill Trinity. He had to be the one to lay the hands on him, and I feel like he's making the exact same mistake again. Now, I say mistake because, much like Trinity... I feel like Dexter can't see the forest for the trees right now. He's so intent on being the one that gets him, I don't think he realizes how this might end up affecting the long-term goal, which, at least as he states it, is to begin a new life with Hannah. If that's what he really wanted, that's what he'd be doing right now. What he really wants, what he has to do, what he needs to do, is kill. Specifically, Oliver. I feel like this decision, this decision to stay in Miami, to pursue this kill before he starts his new life, is going to be the thing that brings Dexter down. Whether that be via Hannah and her FBI agent, whether that be by provoking Vogel to do something to him, or perhaps even most likely provoking Oliver to attack his own family, be that Jamie, Deborah, Hannah, maybe even Harrison. Realistically, Oliver strikes me as the kind of person that wouldn't even begin to bat an eyelash at murdering all of them had he had the chance, and I think that Dexter is going to live to regret the decision 
to not go ahead and make this move to Argentina. I feel like this move might be the wrong thing for Dexter's character, but compared to the other options I feel are waiting for him because of his decision to stay, I feel like they might, it might be the lesser of two evils, I guess. To be fair, I love the Dexter kills, and I love it when Dexter finally gets his man. And I get the feeling that Dexter will, in the end, get his man. Oliver. But I have a feeling it's going to cost him very, very dearly. And much like Trinity, I think he and his life will be far more hollow for it. And who knows? And this is pure speculation on my part. Maybe that's the ending of the series. Not Dexter gets caught or Dexter gets killed. But Dexter loses someone or something that connects him to his humanity. And he becomes detached again. He loses Deborah or Harrison or everyone. And he's reduced to being just a shell again. Just in it for the next kill but no longer because that's what he wants to do, but because that's all he has left. Because he drove himself to a position where he could lose everything. Where he cared about things to lose. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Anyway, I can't wait to see the next episode, though we'll have a week's wait, which is a first in the series. But I guess, if nothing else, it helps build tension. Anyway, Gareth, love the podcast. Can't wait for next week's episode. Until next time. Well, Chris, when you lay it out like that, I think that you're right. There really weren't a lot of options for potential brain surgeons. There were a lot of fan theories out there. Really crazy things like, oh, I think Quinn's the brain surgeon. Or, you know, Masuka. I don't know if anyone really thought Masuka was. But a very popular one that I hear a lot was... I bet you Captain Matthews is the brain surgeon. To what end? I don't know what that would serve. But Matthews seems to be a character that a lot of people really wish there was more to. Like, oh, he always knew about Dexter and he was protecting him or, you know, he has some evil. I don't think that there's anything going on with Matthews in that capacity. I I don't think so, but you're right. Oliver was the most obvious choice and perhaps one that a lot of people did predict. And you brought up that uh, Dexter's making the same mistake that he made with Trinity with the brain surgeon that, oh, he has to kill him. He has to be the one that, that kills him and that it should end up kind of screwing him up and that dovetails into your description of how you think the series should end or, you know, like he loses someone close to him and, you know, he shuts down becomes how he used to be, like shell of himself. I mean, I agree. This all sounds like kind of how season four could have ended or maybe even should have ended. I mean, after Rita died, he kind of freaked out in the, the bathroom at that that gas station. And then that's about it. He went to, he felt more than ever after that. He was crying and taking in orphans and stuff. But yeah, well, maybe it will be his downfall. The, I mean, the one thing I could cross my fingers and toes and hope for is that if the brain surgeon takes out someone close to Dexter, it'll be Hannah. Hey, you know, you got to be cruel to be kind. You know what I'm saying? Get rid of Hannah. And maybe Dexter will actually, his life will improve. Last time he lost his, last time the blonde lady he was sleeping with died, his life only got better. So let's see if maybe the that'll come true for this. But anyway, thanks, Chris. All right, next up, Sadie wrote a very nice email into Gareth. I hope she doesn't mind me reading it. She writes, uh, 
Hey, Garrett, this is Sadie from Portlandia here. You may know me from the Baltic Effect Podcast Network. I have always watched Dexter on DVD, so I've never been able to write into your show as you do them, but I do listen as I go along, and I love the Rewatch Podcast. So, being as Dexter is ending, I just wanted to get an email into you and tell you how much I've enjoyed your show. I love your little stories about your life, and I look forward to hearing about the weather, your job, and your family, and I hope that you do eventually find Dexter the cat. I feel like I've sort of been watching your kids grow up, but not in a stalkerish way, but you know what I mean. Thanks so much for all your hard work. Your fans are all great, and I love hearing from Travis every week. That's nice. The thing you did about Argentina was awesome. I listened to it over and over again. Anyway, that's all. I hope you have a great fall, and maybe you'll get a chance to check out our podcast on American Horror Story and The Walking Dead, since you won't have uh, you won't have to do Dexter uh, this year. Love, Sadie. Well, Sadie, thank you so much for again for saying those great things about me, but I'm sure Gareth really appreciates this. He'll see this email when he gets back, and well, he'll certainly hear it when he listens to this, assuming he listens to his own podcast when he's away. But uh, yeah, that's great things, and we all love hearing about Gareth's family, and we all are hoping for the best for Dexter the cat. I remember I once had a cat. Maybe I told this story before. At least I told Gareth. I had a cat named Mr. Bigglesworth. Was that his name? Yeah, named after the Austin Powers cat. Uh, yeah, he was gone for like one time. He left for like six years. I mean, I forgot he even existed, dude. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. Wasn't on my radar. And then one day, the cat just rolls all up on the house like he never left. It's really weird. He stuck around for like a few months again, and then he left. And I don't know. He maybe he'll come back, but I mean, I'm not holding my breath this time. But thanks, Sadie. All right, and finally, we've got one last voicemail from our favorite. Uh, German-speaking woman, well, English-speaking German woman, Sandra. Daddy, what's a frontal lobotomy? Well, son, you know how the pressures of life can cause people to do crazy things. And if a person does too many crazy things, then that person is crazy. Sometimes you can keep yourself from going crazy by doing things to relieve tension, like drinking or having sex. But if craziness goes too far... Sometimes the only thing left to do is to cut out that part of your brain that makes you crazy. That kind of brain surgery is called a frontal lobotomy. Why care about the show anymore? The writers didn't give a shit. Why should I? Because I really digged it. But what they are doing now is just awful. The overall arc is just not visible, and what I see I don't get invested in. My favorite characters are acting all upside down and wrong. Deborah is taking in the tooth fairy and having dinner with the poison damsel. Sure, why bear a grudge? She tried to poison her almost seven months ago. That's long forgotten. The Deborah I know would have beaten her front teeth right out of her. Playing Batista like a puppet and having him looking for Zack, that makes it obvious why he came back to the forest to make a difference. The mother bird is kicking the cuckoo child out of the nest and taking her own brood back in. It does not feel right. Who cares for freaky Oliver anyways? And who's scared by him? Yeah, and that's the problem. A character is not scary because you want him to be. He has to bring that to life. Like John Lithgow did it with Trinity. The story is so constructed. Also, the way in which Dexter got the lead on him. Sure, Zack conveniently stuck some blood of his attacker where Dexter would find it, to then analyze it and find the guy. And um, 
How did Vogel's DNA get into the database? Okay, just, I won't ask. Well, back to Zack. This boy was a visionary who could keep calm in every situation. He really learned fast. From the puppy-like apprentice who couldn't hold his horses and kill prematurely to the cool reasoning psychopath in the hour of death. We were lucky that Vogel explained it to us. A careless Dexter driving around town with a no-need-for-disguise Hannah. Don't mind the U.S. Marshal. Our hero is always one step ahead. Worst of all, the scene where Dexter stalks his victim, Oliver. Standing out like a sore thumb in the middle of a large panoramic window for half an hour and then wondering how on earth he was spotted. Because the guy in the background who jumped the shark was attracting his attention? Of course, we all know that Dexter will never get away with Hannah and Harrison. He now has the bad, bad brain surgeon chasing after him and his loved ones. Seems that Hannah was reintroduced this season so there was more family to kill off. Let's bet on the order in which Deborah, Hannah and Harrison will get killed. I put my money on first Deborah, then Hannah and Harrison. So it does not matter if Dexter gets killed or caught or gets away. He will be a broken psychopath. We will all be so happy that the show ended that way after eight years, right? Luckily, there is always alcohol to turn to for the last three episodes. different paths Jimmy always listened to my mother and me I never liked to take a bath as we grew and tumbled through adulthood the pressure caused emotional drain and now I'm slowly dying in the bottle and Jimmy has to live with half a brain yes me I got a bottle in front of me and Jimmy has a frontal lobe bottomy just different ways to kill the pain the same Might be drunk, but at least I'm not insane. Sandra, you must have one of the most interesting iTunes libraries of music to look at. You've got a very eclectic taste of music. These last few weeks hearing your song choices, that makes me laugh. I admire that. Um, I like that you call Vogel Mother Bird still, and I guess Dexter is here, Cuckoo Child. Cuckoo, I can't say. Cuckoo, right? That's the kind of thing. Yeah, Dexter is cuckoo, all right. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But can you see why kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch? No, that's a reference to a cereal commercial here in America. I'm not sure if anybody overseas would know that, that they have that ad campaign for Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But candy for breakfast? That's another one. Um, why am I talking about cereal commercials? This is for, um, this is Sandra's time to shine. Uh, you make a good point about the brain surgeon not being scary. Uh, he really isn't, I guess. I, I mentioned before, he, he looks kind of like a wannabe Ryan Gosling. He's a good-looking guy. I mean, I say that a lot about a lot of dudes on Dexter. You don't see bad-looking people on Dexter. It's just that's how it goes. On TV, generally, that's the rule. They're, they don't hide, they don't let they don't let normal-looking people like you or me on. It's always there's nothing but the best. But he's not very scary. Um, I mean, I guess I've seen how he's killed people. 
I guess he's not just very menacing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yo, if that dude was coming at me with a knife, it'd be scary. But if anybody was coming at me with a knife, it'd be scary, right? I feel the same way about people who are afraid of clowns. I don't get clown phobia. Because uh, I know my brother-in-law, he's he has a big clown phobia. And he, he'll say things like, oh, man, just clowns, you know, like the movie It or something. Or you go into a, a maze at Halloween and the clowns have chainsaws. It's like, yeah, anybody with a chainsaw is going to scare you, bro. Durin-law? No, I don't know. Bane search is not very scary. And you bring up a good question. How did Vogel's DNA get in that database? That's something that was, that was talked about in the podcast earlier, or the feedback earlier, just for this. I think Ian brought it up for the sake of things expediating uh, the the story. Just Oh, Dr. Vogel's DNA happens to be on hand in this database. You know, and I, I recall the time back in season one when they were trying to figure out the real identity of the ice truck killer. They couldn't find his data. They couldn't find his DNA for the life of them until they decided to like include mental uh, facilities. You know, like uh, you know, to, you know, what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, brain aneurysm right now. So they decided to include those kinds of records uh, for mental patients and stuff inside of their their search. And but here Vogel just. I don't know. She's just handy, like she has some criminal record at Miami Metro or something. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, it is weird that you think everybody will die here, um, or you know, I mean, you, you seem to be betting on it. I don't know. Do we really think that the show has the gravitas, the balls to kill off Harrison? Do we want Harrison to die? What about Astor and Cody? Are we going to see them again? I haven't even thought about them. But would they really kill off a baby? I mean, I would. You'd have to give the show credit for doing something crazy like that, but I don't. I'm gonna hold my breath that that will happen. Anyway, thanks, Sandra. Well, that's it for feedback. Believe it or not, this is a long one. If you want to contact the podcast and you've got precious little time to do it left, unless you do the rewatches, which I recommend you you stick around for the rewatches. Uh, the U.S. listener line to call in is six four six two 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 six one two two. In the UK or anywhere internationally, I suppose, you can dial in 0844-579-6949. And when the mailbox prompts you, you type in number 08320. You can always, of course, email the podcast at dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can leave voicemails if you want, like most people do now, but please use the listener lines if you feel so inclined. Just leave a voicemail in any sort of format, MP3, Wave, M4A, anything we could... Dex- uh, Dexter, Gareth can pretty much work with. Uh, you can follow Dexter on Twitter at Dissect Dexter, not dissecting, but it's just at Dissect Dexter or his own personal Twitter account, Gareth underscore UK. Then, of course, there's the Facebook page, which Gareth has named off the URL for, but I don't remember. I'm going to go on a limb and just say it's just simply like facebook.com slash Dissecting Dexter, maybe Dissecting Dexter podcast, but you'll find it. Search Facebook for Dissecting Dexter and you'll see it. It's fantastic. With that, we'll move on to closing out this podcast and I'll send you guys home to... Well, hold on. I think I just got a new email. Let me read this. Oh, that's nice. It's our old friend Terry Mustard from Scottsdale, Arizona. Terry wrote in... Uh, let me, I got to read this. It's our. It's Terry. We all love Terry. So, okay. Terry writes, Hey, Gareth. Here's my thoughts on the end of the season if you've got time. Well, Terry, we've always got time for you. You're like our favorite listener. Terry says... Or goes on to say... I think the brain surgeon will get away, but not before I tell you that Mr. Orange was an undercover cop the whole time. God damn it. Terry. Not you, Terry. Fuck.
guys, I will not prolong this any more than it needs to be. Thanks in no small part to your generous and wonderful feedback, which I love hearing and I love responding to. This is a long puppy, this episode. So I'll, I'm going to let you guys go. As, as Chris, listener Chris from Georgia pointed out, uh, Dexter will be taking a week off this upcoming week. The first time it's ever done it in the series. It's, I can only imagine it's because Labor Day is happening up here in the United States. Showtime doesn't have faith that, I don't know, their program will perform well during that weekend. I don't know, it is weird. So we are taking next week. It's a break from Dexter. Who would have thought? I suppose, hypothetically, Gareth could have done this podcast himself. I hope you guys don't mind that I did it instead. Maybe if you demand it enough, he'll do his own version of it. Get that start. Get that campaign started. Uh, but at any rate, Gareth will be back in two weeks' time, and then it's three weeks, and then we're done, you guys. It's a big deal. It's a BFD. But anyway, thanks for listening in, and let's keep that Dexter train rolling down them tracks. Choo choo. Me dicen el ponte negro, me dicen el ponte